Hey, thanks so much for tuning in to the Relove Podcast. This is Pastor Seth Yolorda, and I wanna thank you for taking the time out of your busy day to listen to this week's message. Our prayer is that it will leave you inspired, encouraged, and challenged as you grow higher in Christ. And I also just wanna ask that if this message is a blessing to you, that you would take the time to share it, to send it to a friend, send it to a family member so that they too can be blessed. Again, we thank you for taking the time to listen and we pray that you are blessed. Good morning, everyone. I wanna just thank you so much for tuning in to Relove Church today and I wanna welcome you into this space. I pray that you have had a good week in spite of everything that literally has been going on, in spite of the, the presidential drama that we are still experiencing, in spite of the pandemic and the social unrest. It seems like the weeks are getting harder and harder as they go on, but my prayer for you and for your family is that over these weeks that you have experienced the peace of God, and I say that with all sincerity, as you know, we've been really dealing with this identity series and trying to help us better understand who we are as a result of our relationship to Christ and a result of our relationship, our reconciled relationship with God. And my prayer is that through that relationship, that you are truly experiencing the peace of God in your hearts and in your minds, and that that peace is really elevating you above the noise, above the fray, above the drama, and that no matter what's going on in the world around us, we can say within ourselves, it is well with my soul. Like I know who I am. I know whose I am. And yeah, there's a lot going on, but we're okay. Like that's my prayer for you. And not just that, but I also recognize that many of you all are struggling just with personal issues outside of everything that's going on in the country. Many of you are, are just battling, whether it's finances or health or, or marriage or children or parenting or trying to be stay at home, um, homeschool parents now that we're living in a tough time. And so I just pray that you all would be encouraged and strengthened. And if there's anything, seriously, if there's anything that we can do, that I can do, just on behalf of Relove Church, please do not hesitate to reach out to us. You can just contact us through our website. You can call the church office. You can drop me an email at, at Pastor Seth at me. Feel free to drop me an email. Uh, and uh, however I can, can reach out and connect with you it would be my honor during this, during this season. Now, as you know, we are now in episode six of our identity series, and we've been journeying through the word of God, really trying to understand who we are now as a result of our relationship to God. And many of us have been living under a false identity, under a false narrative, under a wrong identity about, about our lives. And as a result, that that wrong identity has led us to to fall way short, I believe, of what God desires for us. That wrong identity has led us into broken relationships. That, that wrong identity has led us into broken, um, uh, a broken relationship to how we relate to money, how we relate to our spouses, how we relate to our children, how we relate to the, to the world around us, and really how we relate to ourselves and to God. That the brokenness of that identity has really reaped so much damage in our lives, so much so that I am now convinced that the devil's number one goal objective is to get us to continue to live under this false identity. 
Like if he can really convince us that we are something that we are not, or if he can convince us that we are not who Christ has called us to be, then he can continue to enslave us and oppress us and get us to just abort and to cast off the purposes and the plans of God. One of the primary um, statements or points throughout this entire series is that the transmission of God's plan for your life succeeds or fails in the mind. Let me say that again. The transmission of God's plan for your life, it succeeds or fails in the mind, right? And so if the devil can get, convince us up here to think that we are something other than what God has called us, he knows that he can cause the plan of God for our life to fail. That old statement which says, whether you think you can or whether you think you can't, you are right, is more true now than ever. And I think the devil understands that. That whether you think you can or whether you think you can't, you're right. If you think you can be righteous, then you can. If you think that you can't be righteous, then you won't be able to. Because, again, the transmission of God's plan for your life succeeds or fails based off of what you think about yourself. And so that's what we're really trying to convey. And and last week we talked about how when we accepted Christ, we... We were traded from team sin to team righteous. And if you missed last week's message, I I beg of you to go back and to listen to it because it was just that good. Not just because your boy preached it, but because I really believe that it it communicated the essence of what God is trying to do in our lives. He's trying to let us know that we are now on a new team. Let me just let that sink in, that because of Christ, we are now on a new team. So stop wearing the old team's jersey. Stop wearing the old team's merch. Stop playing for the old team. You are now on a new team. So act like it, walk like it, dress like it, because this is who you now are because of what Christ has done for us. Well, today I want to continue the series. And I just want to take a step further, a step deeper into the word to really try to help us understand what that that trade looks like, where we are now and um, what we have access to because we have been traded to this new team. Team Christ. But before we do that, let's have a word of prayer together. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you again for a chance to even now stand before your people and communicate the word that you have given me to them. Father, I pray that as this message passes through the airways, through the internet, and it reaches their television screens, their their phones, their 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 air AirPods, their earphones, their their car stereo speakers, wherever they are listening or wherever they are watching, God, I just pray that you would penetrate their hearts and that you would just call them higher, that you would break up the lies that the enemy has told us about who we are and that the seed of your truth would be planted in the hearts of your people and that it would grow to bear forth a harvest so great, so big, so abundant, man, that it would just, that you will marvel and that we will be blessed because of it. So God, you know every person who's watching right now, you know who's watching today, tomorrow, next year, you know who's watching. My prayer is that you would just lift us, God. And for those, our parents who are struggling with, still homeschooling their kids, to the marriages that are struggling and are stressed and strained, to our children who are frustrated that they can't see their friends or hang out like they used to, to the singles who are, feel like this isolation is just taking them out, God, to the seniors who are just um, uncertain of what the future holds and they're worried. 
God, may you just have your way. May you lead and guide and lift us, O oh God. Lord, may you just speak to your people and no matter what stage of life or season of life or place in life we are, may we be able to say that, man, with God is for me, who can be against me? To know that you're fighting these battles for us. And so we, we lay all these things before you. And as we open your word now, God, open our hearts is our prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I just want to start off this message by sharing with you something that I was actually thinking about this week um, that I think is super relevant to the word today. So when I was growing up, specifically when I was like sixth to eighth grade, and sixth to eighth grade is like major, right, for kids who are in that kind of time frame because they're trying to figure out who they are. They're obviously experiencing significantly more kind of like interpersonal independence where they're not dependent upon their parents for everything. They're trying to figure out where they fit in like the social hierarchy of their friends. Um, and they're really just trying to find their place in, 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 the, in life to a degree. It's like the beginning of like their coming out party of them becoming who they really are. And so when I was in sixth to, sixth to eighth grade, I went to two private schools, two different private schools, but I had something that was like so clutch. It was so beneficial for me. I had two older sisters. They were, one was two years older than me and one was four years older than me. And what was interesting is that everywhere I went, every school I went to, every basketball game I went to, whether it was a church basketball game or community basketball game, every place I went, my sisters had been there before, right? And so I would show up, let's say to this new school in seventh grade, I went to a new school and my sisters were there ahead of me. They were a couple grades ahead of me. They had already been to that school. And so when I showed up, like I didn't really have to do a lot to get accepted because people already knew who I was based off of who my sisters were. So literally, I would come as this brand new seventh grader, and they say, oh, that's Mari's brother, or oh, that's Megan's brother. And as a result, because my sisters were popular and because my sisters were accepted and liked, I automatically had access. Let me say that again. Because of who my sisters were, I automatically had access to this, to this in crowd, to this in group. Now, it doesn't mean that I, I didn't have to do any work and still develop my own friendships, but it just made it so much easier that when I stepped into the school building or when I went to a, a school basketball game, or I didn't feel like I was all alone. Even if my sisters weren't in the building with me, they had already been there and had made a way for me. And so the people who they were friends with, they were already kind of looking out for me because they knew I was connected to my sisters, because of them, I had access into places and into friendships and into relationships that I would not have had access if it had not been for them. And as I thought about that, I said, you know what? This really is the essence of what Christ has done for us, that because of Christ, he has gone before us and he has granted us Access Now, granted, like he hasn't opened up a physical door for us. He hasn't granted us physical access to places in this world. But more important than that, he has granted us access into heavenly places. He has granted us access into the presence of God. And so because of Christ, we can now come boldly to the throne of God. Because of Christ, we can now bring our petitions. And, and when we come to God, God says, oh, yeah, I know you because you are, you, my, my son has prepared a way for you. Oh, yeah, I know you because of, he's gone before you and he told me that you were coming, right? And so we now have access. We now have access into life, spiritual life, to live an abundant life because of Christ. And what I want to challenge you and what I want to 
teach you and, 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 and inspire you and almost beg of you to do or to not do is do not give up your access. Don't do it. Don't give up your access to the throne of God. Don't turn your back and walk away and, and cast off and abort the position that Christ has given you in the presence of God. Because of Jesus Christ, you have access. And as I'm wrestling with this, I, I'm really thinking that for so many of us, I think there is a challenge that we experience. Because when I read the Bible, the Bible, and specifically the New Testament, the way that Paul, the author of much of the New Testament, the way that Paul frames it is that because of what Christ has done, there are so many things that we now experience. But I feel like many of us are still struggling to truly experience all that God has in store for us. Not because we don't fundamentally understand it or we have not cognitively read it or see it, but because we have not yet we have yet to experience. And so that's what we've been talking about, trying to get you to understand who you are in Christ and your identity and what that means and the impact that it has practically in your life here and, and now. What I want to do is I want to challenge you to make a shift in how you talk about yourself and how you talk about your relationship to God. You see, most of you, there are probably some who do not, but most of you who are listening and watching right now, you would identify yourself as a Christian. There's maybe some of you all who are maybe new to the Christian faith, and so you're still trying to get your legs underneath you, but I, I, I would reason that most of you probably identify as Christian. And yet, I think there's something wrong with that. I'm beginning to think that there's something wrong with that. Because when we identify ourselves as Christian, that label Christian really has no bearing, it has no influence, it has no, 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 no force on our lives. It's just like a jacket that I put on. I'm a Christian, right? But who I am at my core isn't any different. And necessarily how I talk to my friends or how I interact with my spouse or how I raise my children is not really any different. I'm just Christian. It's almost if, it's almost if saying that we're Christian is no different than saying, well, I'm a Democrat or I'm a Republican. Well, I'm a Christian. And we know this is true, particularly in this society that we live in, because for, for when someone says, I am an American Christian, it's almost like an American Christianity is synonymous with like American nationalism. Like you have to, like, like if you're a Christian, then you have to be pro-Trump or pro-guns pro or anti-abortion or pro-this or pro-that. Like there is a, I mean, that's the way that society is painting the picture now. Like stay with me. The society and culture, the way that culture is moving is that Christianity is, is becoming synonymous with a certain political party. I was watching, looking on Twitter just the other day and people were talking about like, wow, Someone said, you know, it's impossible to be Democrat and Christian, right? And because they're saying, listen, you can't, you can't be liberal and have liberal views and be a Christian. And then someone else argued, well, no, it's impossible to be Republican and Christian. And so they're debating this idea like Christian is just like a, a, a garment or a title that we give ourselves. And so what I want to do and what I want to challenge you and what I'm going to do is I want to declare that I am no longer considering myself a Christian. Like, like, no longer do I want you and to, as members or as the Relove community to consider yourself a Christian. Because considering yourself a Christian really does nothing for the cause of Christ. And it does nothing for your own spiritual walk. Okay, yeah, you're a Christian, but you're still sleeping around. 
Okay, yeah, you're a Christian, but you're still struggling with depression. Oh, yeah, you're a Christian, but you're still anxious and, 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 and filled with uh, 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 insecurities. Oh, yeah, you're a Christian, but you're still cussing out your kids and you're still lying to your spouse. You're a Christian, but there's really no difference from your life and everyone else's life. So let's stop calling ourselves Christian. I am no longer a Christian. In fact, when you think about this idea Christian, like in the Bible, it's only used literally three times. Three times is the word Christian used in the Bible. Twice in Acts, once in Peter. And it's, it's, it's this designation that almost like the world gives to people who are, who are a part of this b- belief in Jesus as the Messiah. But we have taken this idea of Christian and we have woven it into our identity, but it has not elevated us or lifted us any closer to God or helped us to live a life that is consistent or in alignment with who God sees us to be. So you can be a Christian and still be as far from God as the next person who's not a Christian. So what I want us to do is I want us to not identify ourselves as Christians. What I want us to do is I want us to identify ourselves as in Christ. In Christ. Am I a Christian? No, I'm not a Christian. The same way I'm not a Democrat and I'm not a Republican. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not having that, I'm not getting caught up in that, in that debate or in that mess. What am I? I am in Christ. You see, you see, Christian, the word Christian is a designation. Like it's a description of who you are. In Christ is a position. In Christ is now telling me where I am in relationship to Christ and where I am in relationship to the Father. I am now in Christ. And in Christ, as it's woven into my identity, begins to lift me above the fray and the mess and the drama. And it calls out of me the highest ideals that God sees in me. So I can't continue to live a life of sin. I can't continue to, to, to battle with depression and anxiety and sleeping around and getting drunk and doing all these crazy things because now I am in Christ. And in Christ, I am no longer a sinner. In Christ, I am righteous. And in Christ, I am blessed. And in Christ, I am without accusation. And in Christ, I recognize that my salvation is secure and I don't have to worry about it and fret about it or think about it because I know I am in Christ. So you go by that designation Christian. I go by where I am in relationship to Christ. My position now is in Christ. In fact, Paul goes so far to say that because of our position being now in Christ, we are actually seated in heavenly places. So I'm not even down here messing with the drama of this life. I'm not getting caught up in the political debate. I'm not getting caught up in the social justice debate. I'm not getting caught up in all of the foolishness. Yes, I need to continue to advocate and fight for the the oppressed because that's what people in Christ do. But I'm not getting caught up in the this and the that and the social media wars. No, 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 no. I recognize that I am now in Christ. And where am I seated? I am seated in heavenly places. 
Because my position, not my designation, my position is in Christ. In fact, Paul, if you look throughout, not just Paul, but if you look throughout the New Testament, this idea, this word, this phrase in Christ is used some 91 times. Christian is used three times. In Christ is used 91 times. It was almost as if the New Testament writers, that this is how they really were trying to drive home to the readers of their letters and to the readers of the of the scriptures, who they were and where they were. And Paul continually is trying to remind us, like, if you understand your position in Christ, it changes everything about your identity. Yeah. Yeah. Being in Christ is not just a title or a jacket or a coat or a sweater or a t-shirt that we wear. Being in Christ shifts our mentality. It shifts our heart's uh, 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 orientation. And we now recognize that because of my position, I am elevated and I have access to the Father and everything that he has in store for me and poured out into me, I now can experience. I love how Paul says it, this access. And I just want to read for you just real quick, like a list of things that 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 Paul um, attributes to those who are in Christ. Like I want to give it to you. So Paul says he saw he says that if you're in Christ, you have access to eternal glory, salvation, redemption, eternal life. No condemnation. He says nothing can separate you from the love of God for those who are in Christ. So you can't be separated from God. You are actually, he says, sanctified if you're in Christ. You have, you have access to the grace of God, the righteousness of God. You are made alive in God. You are established in God. You always triumph in God once you are in Christ. He says the veil was removed. The law was removed once you come in Christ. He says that you are a new creature in Christ. You are reconciled to God in Christ. You have liberty. You are justified. You are sons and daughters in Christ. He says all are one. He says neither you're no more male, female, Jew, Greek. He says, but all are one. In Christ, every spiritual blessing, he says, you have access to in Christ. You are seated in heavenly places in Christ. You are his workmanship in Christ. You are brought near to the Father in Christ. You are forgiven. You have peace. All your needs are provided. You know what Paul says in Philippians? Our God shall supply all of our needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. So all of your needs are provided in Christ. You are, check this, you are complete in Christ, right? A husband doesn't complete you. A wife doesn't complete you. Having kids doesn't complete you. You are complete in Christ. And the last one, you have the promise of life in Christ. Like, I want you to get this, that that all 28 of these things that you have access to, that they are not the result of your works, They're not the result of something that you did or or something that you tried to do or tried to accomplish. These are all a result of your placement, your position now in Christ. So who I am, I'm Seth, your Lord, and I am in Christ. And because I am in Christ, 
I am righteous. I am holy. I am sanctified. I am forgiven. I have peace. I am brought near to God. I have every spiritual blessing. I am, I am made alive. I am established. I am complete. I always triumph. That I am a new creature. I am reconciled. I have liberty. I am justified. I have salvation. I have redemption. Why? Because I am now in Christ Jesus. When he died and you accepted him, he took you and he brought you into himself. And so you have access now to all of these things. And what I want you to do and what I beg of you to do is to allow the access and to allow your position in Christ to now kind of weave into your identity and to inform who you now are. And so, listen, I, I struggle with anxiety. I struggle with insecurities. But in Christ, I am more than a conqueror. In Christ, I don't have to worry about my future. In Christ, I'm, I'm not going to allow the depression of this moment to overwhelm me to the point where I don't feel like there's not hope for tomorrow. No, I am in Christ Jesus. I'm not a Christian. I don't know what that stuff is anymore, right? Because Christian is becoming very muddled with the world. No, no, no. I am in Christ. This is who I am. It is my position and I have access to all things. I love how Paul says it in Galatians chapter two, and this is from the message version. So it's a little bit different. In Galatians chapter two, he says, We know very well that we are not set right with God by rule keeping, but only through personal faith in Jesus Christ. How do we know, he says? Well, we tried it and we have the best system of rules the world has ever seen. Paul's saying, we've tried to be made right with God. We had all these rules. It failed. He says, convinced that no human being can please God by self-improvement, We believed in Jesus as the Messiah so that we might be set right before God by trusting in the Messiah, not by trying to be good. Have some of you noticed that we are not yet perfect? He's like, listen, we're we're pursuing God. We are made right by the Messiah. But some of y'all might notice that we're not perfect. Right. He says, no great surprise. All right. He says, uh, and are you ready to make the accusation that since people like me who go through Christ in order to get things right with God aren't perfectly virtuous? Christ must therefore be. Is, does Christ must therefore be an accessory to sin? He says, no, this accusation is frivolous. He's essentially saying that, listen, just because I am pursuing Christ, I stumble and fall. Just because I am now in Christ and I stumble and fall, that doesn't mean that Christ is like a cosigner to my sin. He's like, no, no, God forbid. He's like, that accusation is frivolous. He says, if I was trying to be good, I would be rebuilding the same old barn that I tore down. I would be acting as a charlatan. What actually took place is this. I tried keeping rules and working my head off to please God, and it didn't work. He says, I tried. I tried to work myself to glory. I tried to work myself to salvation. I tried to fight my anxiety and fight my insecurities and fight my depression and fight my lust. I tried to fight porn and and fight cussing and fight drinking. I tried to fight lying and fight going to the club. I tried to, I tried to, to work myself into good standing with God. And he says, I failed. It did not work. So I quit being, here what he says, so I quit being a lawman so that I could be God's man. 
Christ's life showed me how and enabled me to do it. I now, like, check this, don't, don't miss this. I identify myself completely with him. I hear what Paul's saying. Paul's saying, I tried to get right with God, but I failed. So what I did was I stopped trying and I just surrendered to God and I recognized who I was, the position that I have now. And so now when I think, of, when I think about Christ, I think about myself. I identify completely with him. You see, I think some of us have this notion that, okay, yes, okay, Seth is a, a pastor and, and Seth is a, a Christian and, and Seth is a husband and a father and uh, um, he is a, a brother and a son and he's a, a student. And, and I have all of these different kind of like self-concepts or these all these different identities out there, like these sub-identities. And what Paul is saying is like, okay, I'm not suggesting that because now you're in Christ, you lose your personality. I'm not suggesting that because now you're in Christ, you lose your passions or your orientation or how you approach life. He's like, no, but I just want you to know that when you are in Christ, you now see yourself as, yes, I'm a father who is in Christ. I am a husband who is in Christ. I am a student who is in Christ, right? I am a a teacher who is in Christ. I am a nurse who is in Christ. That every single one of these domains in which I identify either because of my family or my job, my occupation, um, my relationships, my interpersonal relationships, every single one of these I now see through my ultimate position, which is in Christ. So he says, I identify myself completely with him. Indeed, I have been crucified with Christ. You know this. My ego is no longer central. It is no longer important that I appear righteous before you or even have your good opinion. I am no longer driven to impress God. I'm no longer driven to impress God. Christ lives in me. And the life you see me live is not mine, but it is lived by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I am not going to go back on that. Paul's like, listen, I'm putting my foot down, y'all. Like, I have access to God. I'm no longer identifying by my attempts, my charlatan attempts to become right with God, to be made perfect before God, to even impress God. Lord have mercy. Paul says, I'm done with that. And from this point forward, I'm just choosing that in every area and domain of my life, I am seeing myself not as a Christian. I am identifying myself as in Christ because Christ now lives in me. So if I'm a gamer and I play video games, guess what? I'm a gamer in Christ. If I play sports, I play basketball or volleyball or soccer, whatever I do. Yeah, I play sports where? In Christ. That my position is in Christ. And even if I am a politician and you run for political office, or you're a mayor or a city council person, or whoever you are, Donald Trump or Joe Biden, even running for president, you recognize, okay, yes, I am a politician, but I am a politician in Christ. And because I am in Christ, it elevates my identity above the drama and the noise. And so the way I politic is so much different than the way everyone else politics. The way that I live, the way I play basketball, the way that I game, the way that I husband, the way that I wife, the way that I parent is different because I'm parenting now from a position of being in Christ. Listen, I want you to get this, that in Christ, you're different. 
So I don't have to parent from a place of, of anxiety or worry about my children. I don't have to parent from a place of stress. I don't have to husband from a place of emptiness. I don't have to wife and spouse from a place of insecurity because I am in Christ. And because I'm in Christ, I can give of myself freely. Because I'm in Christ, I can listen and engage. And I don't take things personally because I recognize I, my identity is secure because of what Christ has done for me and because of where I am in relationship to the Father. So do not give up your access. Do not give up your position. Seriously, let's stop calling ourselves Christian because that designation does nothing for us. And let us start referring to ourselves based on our position in Christ. Listen, I wanna give you just three things real quick. The first thing is that when you step into Christ, the first thing he does for you, when you step into Christ, the first thing he does for you is you experience freedom, right? Genesis 3, Adam and Eve sinned. You all know the story. She ate the fruit. She gave to her husband. He ate the fruit. And the very first feeling, emotion they experienced was anger slash condemnation. They hid because they were afraid. Excuse me. The very first emotion they experienced was fear. They hid because they were afraid, because they felt like they were going to be condemned. In Christ, however, the very first thing God does for you is he sets you free from condemnation. Like as soon as you tra you're traded to the new team, as soon as you, you turn in your, 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 your old self and you accept Christ as your savior and you step in Christ, he gives you freedom from condemnation. How do we know this? Just think about the story in John chapter eight, where the woman who was caught in adultery and the church folk brought her before the brought her before Jesus. They threw her down. They said, Jesus, this woman was caught in the very act. You know, the law says we should stone her. What do you say? And Jesus started writing on the ground. And then when everyone leaves, he looks at her and he says, where are those who, who accuse you? She says, Lord, they're nowhere. And Jesus says, neither do I condemn you. The very first thing Jesus did for her is he set her free from condemnation. There are so many Christians who are still living under condemnation. You still feel like you're not good enough, like if you act out that somehow your salvation is in jeopardy, like if you mess up that, you know, God doesn't accept you. And I just want to tell you, God in Christ, we are free from condemnation. However, what God does do is he doesn't condemn, he convicts. There's a difference. He convicts. Okay, so let me just give you a brief example. So this week, I was visiting my um, not-so-favorite um, uh, uh, coffee shop, Starbucks, and I was in the drive-thru, and as I was in the drive-thru, I pulled up, and you won't believe what happened. The lady said, you know what, sir? The car in front of you paid for your drink. Oh, I, said, I said, praise the Lord. Saved me $6.05 for a grande soy vanilla latte extra shot. Right. Six dollars and five cents. I said, praise the Lord. And the and the late. And as soon as she said it, I said, well, OK, well, thank you. And immediately. Guess what I thought? I should probably pay for the person behind me. <laughs> now, as I was wrestling with this in the in the in the half a second, I, I didn't feel condemned if I drove away not paying for them. But I felt like because the person in front of me was so good, I just have to 
repay it to someone else. It was a conviction. So I asked the lady, well, let me go ahead and pay for those behind me. She said, wonderful. Like she was waiting for me to say that. She was like, wonderful. Uh, Now, I can't lie to you because when I told her I would pay for it, in the back of my mind, I was like, Lord, please don't help it. Please don't let it be more than $6.05, right? Like what if they ordered half the menu? I got to pay $30. But she said, wonderful. That'll be $4.25. I said, thank you, Lord. (laughs) Thank you, Lord. And And I paid for the drink. Listen, it was conviction. It wasn't condemnation. I could have left and not felt like, you know, condemned. But I just felt like, man, because of what they did for me, I just feel convicted that I should do something for someone else. So when you step in Christ, he he removes you from the condemnation. And now when you are living your life, he brings conviction. Man, like I just feel convicted to to, to, to help my neighbor. I just feel convicted to go the extra mile. I just feel convicted to go a little bit higher. I just, I just want to do this. Not because if I don't do it, I'm somehow going to be lost, but I just feel like God is calling me higher. So the first thing that God does when you step in Christ is he removes condemnation and he sets you free. The second thing that he does when you step into Christ is that I want you to understand that you, you understand now that me being in Christ is not free from trouble. Like just because I'm in Christ, this is the second thing, just because I'm in Christ doesn't mean I won't go through things, right? Yes, I'm in heavenly places. Yes, I'm righteous and redeemed and all of these things, but it doesn't mean I won't go through some things. In fact, if you read 2 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul describes in detail, verse 25, all the things he went through. He says, Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. Once I spent a whole night and day adrift at sea. I've traveled on many long journeys. I have faced dangers from rivers and robbers. I have faced dangers from my own people, Jews and Gentiles. I have faced dangers in the cities, in the deserts, in the seas. I have faced danger from men and claim to be believers but are not. I have worked hard and long, enduring many sleepless nights. I have been hungry and thirsty have often gone without food. I have shriveled in the cold without enough clothing to keep me me warm. Paul went through some things, but he was still in Christ. And this is what I want you to get, that just because you are in Christ doesn't mean you won't go through things. Please get that in your spirit. Right. I'm not trying to sell you a utopia that, you know, all of a sudden everything in your life will work out. No. Paul, the author of much of the New Testament, who declared he was in Christ, went through so much stuff. But Paul also tells us in Second Corinthians chapter four, that though my outward man is perishing, my inward man is being renewed day by day. It's almost as if Paul is saying, yeah, I'm going through a pandemic. And yeah, I'm going through a crazy presidential election. And yeah, I'm going through a whole lot of social justice. And yeah, I'm going through drama on my family and on my job and in my marriage and with my finances, with my health. But it's okay because though my outward man, my flesh is perishing, my spirit, my inward man is being renewed day by day because I recognize who I am in Christ. So I can endure trials and tribulations and difficulties and hardships because my core is strong. It's almost like the difference between a a coconut and a peach. Coconuts are hard on the outside, but soft on the inside. And if you're not in Christ, you will live most of your life like a coconut, where the challenges of life will make you hard on the outside and cold and bitter and angry. 
But if you are in Christ, you become like a peach where you are soft and pliable, but your inside is rock solid. Your core is strong because you recognize that, yeah, though I'm going through stuff on the outside, my inside is being renewed. I am strong in Christ. So the first thing being in Christ does is it sets us free from condemnation. The second thing we recognize being in Christ is that doesn't mean that we won't go through things, but that God is still with us. And the last thing I want to tell you before we wrap up, the last thing I want to tell you is that in Christ, you are a new creature. I want you to get this. Paul says it so poetically. He says, therefore, in 2 Corinthians 5, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. All things have passed away. Behold, all things are becoming new. Pastor, I hear you. I get it. But I don't feel like a new creature. I don't feel righteous. I don't feel saved. I don't feel, I don't feel blameless. I don't feel like I'm free from condemnation. I understand. What Paul is trying to get us to understand is that our position in Christ is one, not by feelings, but is one by faith. By faith, I appropriate, I apply the word of God to my life. So even though I don't feel saved in my mind, the transmission of God's plan, it succeeds or fails in your mind. In my mind, I say, God, I don't feel saved, but God, I know I believe because your word says it by faith. I'm claiming I am in Christ and salvation is mine. And so I will exhale in this moment and I will be able to say it is well with my soul. In Christ, I am a new creature. God, I know I'm still struggling. I struggled last night. I did some things. I stayed up too late. I was Netflixing and chilling, God. And I recognize that that's not where I want to be or what I want to do, God. God, I am claiming righteousness in Christ. That I am, that I am a Christian. I am in Christ. I am a new creature. And as you, by faith, continue to reinforce that identity of where you are in Christ, it elevates you above the mess. And so my appeal for you as we wrestle with this 